Good morning, America. Good afternoon, Eretz Yisrael. Welcome to all those joining us for the Shir and Chaim Aran. We're continuing in the Sichos HaShayochem LaHatoyrois. This is not in all the Chaim Aran versions, but in mine it's paragraph Tzadik Ches, 98. Before we begin, we dedicate the learning today, Lili Nishmas, Bela Yehudis Bas David, whose yard site is on the 26th of Ador, and Lili Nishmas, Rivka Bas Rebnosen, the Rebetzin of my Rebbe, Reb Michal Dorf, whose yard site is on the 27th of Ador, and Lili Nishmas, Rachamim Bereb and Esther, whose yard site is also on the 27th of Ador, and Lili Nishmas, Bas Yishendel, Bas Yisrael Dan, whose yard site is on the 28th of Ador. We dedicate the learning also for a complete Rufu Shalemba for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Basgalia, David Elio Ben Michal, Shimon Aloza Ben Michal, Avigilana Bas Yisbendel, Sorocho Bas Yisbendel, Soralea Bas Chavaliba, Yaakov Yeshua Ben Freindel Rechel, Shlemen Isen Ben Mazal, Avram David Ben Chana, Hindachasa Bas Chana, Miriam Esther, Bas Soregitl, Libelea Bas Sipoira, Gitganendel Bas Sipoira, Idis Bas Miriam Brindel, Michal Esther Bas Ruhia, Michal Sora Bas Hadasa, Besoich Sharch Shimon Eliezer Ben Rochel, Besoich Sharch of Israel. Rab Nosenzal now is up to the part where he's speaking about the Sefer Sipurim Isis and the different circumstances that surrounded Rabbeinazal revealing these stories. He tells us that when Rabbeinazal told the story of the Baltfila, the master of prayer, the 12th story in Sipurim Maisius, he asked us afterwards, who was the one that told over the story that was written in the Chronicles regarding the different groups that developed after there was a major hurricane in the world. This is one of the aspects, one of the details that takes place within the story of the Baltfila, that there's a major storm that breaks out, and, and as a result, the whole world gets turned upside down, and afterwards, different people gravitate to different countries, and in each country, they appoint a leader that's suited for that country, and Rabbi Nizal tells an incredible, incredible story within the story there. So Rabbi Nizal asked his students, who is the one that told over this piece? And Rabbi Nizal says, we responded that this was told by one of the, one of the men who was a member of the Giboyer's organization. In the story there, it speaks about a certain Giboyer, a certain very, very powerful person who has like an army of men with him and they're going about conquering the world. And one of his men is the one who told over this story. So Rabbeinazal nodded his head approvingly, correct, that's right. That we and Rabbeinazal says we understood that Rabbeinazal was making it clear to us that every detail in the story has tremendous significance. And that it was extremely significant that it was one of the members of the Giboyer's army that told over this story. And he says that from this, we can understand that every detail in these stories has a very significant point that it's, it's giving over to us. 
and, and these are things that we can't possibly imagine the level of depth involved here. Paragraph Tzadik Tess, Rav Nosenzal goes on to say that the story of the seven betlers, which is the 13th and final story of the Sipuri Moses, was told over a period of several days. And each time that Rav Nosenzal told a part of the story, it was directly related to something that someone had said to Rav Nosenzal at that time. It began on a Friday night, and it began as a result that Rabbeinazal received tabak, which is tobacco, but this is actually something it's, that people smell from one of his, Rabbeinazal received this from one of his students. And then Rabbeinazal remembered, this is something that some Hasidim have a custom of buying these small little cases of this expensive type of tabak, something that you smell, that you sniff like, it's not a drug, has shown, but something that, that, that uh, like, like a type of a perfume type of smell of a tobacco. And then Rabbeinazal re remembered a letter that Rabbeinazal had sent to his friend, which somehow got into the hands of Rabbeinazal saw this letter. And in this letter, Rabbeinazal had written encouraging words to his friend that he should be the simcha, he should be happy. And Rabbi Nezal spoke about this, and he said, I'm going to tell you how people once upon a time used to be happy. And that's how he began this telling this story of these seven betlers. And he told the entire beginning of the story, which speaks about a king who gives over his kingdom to his son while he's still living. And the king makes a tremendous banquet to do this. And then, and then it leads into the story of the first day of the seven betlers, where there was a, 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 king, a, a kingdom where there was a, a great storm that broke out and everybody ran away. And a small child, a boy and a girl ran away. And they end up meeting a whole beautiful, beautiful story. And they get married. And they have Sheva Brachas, and at each one of the seven days of the Sheva Brachas, one of these betlers showed up that they had met while they were lost in the forest, and they didn't have any food to eat. And these betlers brought them bread. And, and then when they get married, this couple, each day on each one of the seven days of the Sheva Brachas, one of these betlers shows up and gives them an incredible gift. So... On that Friday night, Rabbi Nezal told the whole beginning of the story about the king give, giving over his kingdom to the prince during his lifetime, and about this couple, these children, they get lost in the forest, up until this, including the story of the first day, which speaks about the betler who seemed to be blind. He appeared blind, but he ended up revealing to them that he wasn't blind at all. He, he appears to be blind because he doesn't look at all the distractions, all the foolishness of this world that could distract a person. So Rav Nosenzal says, all of this took place on that Friday night. And I was in my house in Nemerov. I wasn't present at the time. But afterwards, on Tuesday, my friend came to my house and told me this story. 
And Rav Nosenzal says, I stood there amazed, amazed, because even though I had already heard from Rav Nosenzal awesome stories, but a story like this, I realized I had never heard from him yet. Then I traveled to Breslov, and I came to Rav Nosenzal on Tuesday when his room was already closed, meaning that Rav Nosenzal had turned in for the night. In the morning, Wednesday morning, I went in to see him and I spoke to Rav Nosenzal a lot. And I told him news of what was going on in the world at the time, things that I had heard recently. And then Rav Nosenzal began telling me about this story that he told on Friday night. And Rav Nosenzal said, he's very anxious to hear the continuation of the story even though he's the one who's telling it. Very anxious to hear the end of what happens throughout those seven days of the Sheva Brachas, and also the end, the conclusion of the story of the prince, whom his father, the king, had given over the kingdom to him while he was alive, and that's how the whole story really began. And Rabbi Nezal told me then that so too, during each one of the seven days of the Sheva Brachas, one of these seven betlers shows up and gives this new young couple a bracha. He gives them a gift, an actual gift, that they should be like him. And each one of these betlers seemed as if he had some kind of a major chisorin, a weakness. This one is blind. The second one was deaf. One of them was a hunchback. One of them didn't have hands. One of them didn't have feet. They, it, it looked as if they were, they were lacking, when in actuality, what seemed to be a chisorin was really a maila. What seemed to be something lacking really showed how great these betlers, these tzaddikim were, that they were way, way above all standard levels of greatness. And Rav Nosenzal writes, Rav Nosenzal also discussed with me within that first Sheva Brachas, the order of the elders that are mentioned in that story, where as part of that story, it speaks about a group of people that go into a tower and each one prides himself about how far back he can remember. One of them says he remembers when he was born. And the other one says, I remember even before that. And then I remember even before that the order of these great people, which Rav Nosenzal says, I had not, even though I had heard the story from my friend, I hadn't heard it yet explained clearly in the, in the order that Rav Nosenzal presented it. So Rav Nosenzal explained to me the order of how these great people described how far back they could remember. And he also spoke to me about the fact that this blind bettler, he said, oh, what all of you remember, of course I remember, but I remember nothing. In Yiddish, ich gedenk gornished. I remember nothing, meaning I remember before there was any physical existence at all whatsoever. And Rabbi Nezal himself expressed amazement at this, that imagine, how great this person must, must have been. Rav Nosenzal continues that after this, 
I was yearning deeply that Rabbein Azal should start telling the story of the second day of the Sheva Brachas. But I, I wasn't successful. I tried hoping and praying that he would tell it, but he didn't. And then Rabbein Azal's servant came and said, Rebbe, it's time for your meal. And he prepared the table for Rabbein Azal to eat. And Rabbein Azal says, I was forced to leave at that time. Afterwards, after Rabbein Azal took a short nap after the meal, I returned and I, I came into Rabbein Azal and I stood before him and I told him again different things that are going on in the world, especially what was going on in the city of Berdichev that I had visited shortly before that. And I spoke to Rabbein Azal about the fact that I, I see that everyone is full of worries, anxiety, and, and, and everyone, is talk, everyone feels that they're lacking all kinds of things, including the very wealthy people. The wealthier they are, the more they talk about what they don't have, what they're lacking, what they're missing. And then I mentioned to Rabbein Azal a Pasuk in Kohelis, in, in the third chapter of Kohelis, Pasuk Yudalef, where Shlomo Melech says, Gam es ho'olam nosan belibom, mibli asheloyim tzo odom es hamaisa asher oso holikim meroishvat soif. And Rashi over there explains this Pasuk, that the word ho'olam, hey ayin lamed men, would normally be spelled with a vav if it was to be read ho'olam but it's spelled without a vav, so it could also be read he'elam. He'elam means the hiddenness. Hashem has placed a hiddenness in people's hearts, meaning that people's hearts cannot understand, cannot know everything they would want to know. For example, Rashi says there, people would, people would love to know when they're going to die so that they could prepare them. And that's one of the things that Hashem does not allow a person to know, because if they did, <clears throat> then they'd wait possibly till then to do tshuva right before. Or if people knew that they were going to die soon, they wouldn't do anything. They wouldn't work. They wouldn't, they wouldn't produce things. Could they say, what's the use? I'm going to die shortly. So therefore, this is one of the things that people do not know. Where people cannot discover and know what Hashem has done, so that people should do tshuva their whole life, you know, and so that people should live properly. They should go about their doing what they're what they're supposed to do. So Rabbi Nezal spoke up when I, after I said, told him the news from Berdichev and all of this, Rabbi Nezal said, "Oh, this is all related to this to our story." And he asked me immediately, where are we up to in the story? And Rabbi Nassim says, I was, I, was, he took, I was surprised because I had such a deep yearning to be able to hear the continuing of the story. So I responded to Rabbi Nassim in shock that we're up to the second day. So Rabbi Nassim spoke up and said, okay, here we go. On the second day, the couple was yearning and yearning. Wow, if only that second Bettler that gave us food when we were lost in the forest, if only he would come to our Sheva Brachas. And suddenly he appeared and he said, I'm here. And he tells a whole incredible story about 
related to this concept of people in the world, uh, all they're thinking about is what they don't have, what they're lacking. And that's what that's all people talk about. And this second Bettler was one who was able to cure, to help them, because he said he is lacking nothing. He isn't missing anything. And on that day, on that Wednesday, Rabbein Azal completed the whole story of the second day of the Sheva Brachas. The next Friday night, Rabbein Azal told the story of the third and fourth days. And then on Sunday, he told the story, the following Sunday, he told the story of the fifth Sheva Brachas. And then on the following Tuesday, he told the story of the sixth day of the Sheva Brachas. And after, after he finished the story of the sixth day, we were waiting there, and one of Rabbeinazal's students told Rabbeinazal a story. Rabbeinazal said, oh, that's related to the story of the seventh day. And Rabbeinazal said, look at that. The world is talking about our story. And Rabbeinazal, it seemed as if Rabbeinazal wanted very, very much to tell the story, but we were not zeichen. He didn't. And he never continued to complete the story of the seventh day of the Sheva Brachas, which was related to a betler who was without feet, no feet. It's incredible that almost every person that I, I meet and I engage in the last few weeks, and it's not even the last few weeks, it's months, has issues with their feet, with their knees, with their legs, bothering them, all kinds of issues. And we know that we're told that before the coming of Moshiach, that period of time is called Ikvisidah Moshiach, the footsteps of Moshiach. And we're told also that the feet are the bottom, that's the end, that's the, 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 the finish line. It seems that in, in our generation, the, the tikkun, the main tikkun is the tikkun of the raglan, especially since it's brought about harazesim. It says, the Omdu Raglov Bayoim Hahu Al It says that when Mashiach comes, his feet are going to stand on the Mount of Olives, on Harazesim. It seems that this is a major, major issue in the world now, this Tikkun Horaglin. Rabbi Nezal speaks about this in many chapters on Likut Imran. In chapter 54, in the beginning, Rabbi Nezal explains that the presence of Hashem in our world is kaviyochol, the feet of Hashem. The lowest part of Hashem is what, what relates to us in this world. There's a posik v'ho'oretz hadoim ragloi. The world, our world, is the footstool of Hashem kaviyochol. And Rabbeinu Salvir explains what that means, how that relates to us. We should be zorichet to tikken haraglin, and we should be zorichet to be tikken from head to toe. I remember my Rebbe, Rav Rosenfeld, once said an incredible thing. He said that the, the order of the coming of Moshiach is presented in a Pasuk in Tehillim, the Zohar HaKadosh says. The Pasuk is, the Pasuk is, Boine Yerushalayim Hashem, Nidche Yisroel Yechanes, Horoife Lishvure Leiv, Umechabesh Latzvoysen. Step one is going to be Boine Yerushalayim, building up the city of Yerushalayim. And those that live in Yerushalayim or those that come to Yerushalayim see 
that there's construction going on all over the place. You would think that they're building all of these years. That, that when are they going to finish? But it seems that there's construction wherever you go. There's cranes. There's construction going on. The next step is Nidche Yisroel Yechanes, gathering in the people that, that are distant, the people from the distance being gathered in, gathered into Eretz Yisroel, gathered into the Jewish people, all of the Balei Tshuva and the Gerim that are, that are joining Klal Yisroel. And then the third step is that Moshiach is going to heal all of the broken hearts and, and, and eliminate the, the sadness, the depression. So my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld said that Moshiach is going to approach each person and say, what hurts? What's, what's, what, what's no good by you? So many people are going to look at him, what hurts? What hurts you? You must be hurting. <clears throat> You must have problems. I don't have any problems. I don't have problems. And to those people, Mashiach is going to say thank you and go on to the next person. But if he's going to go over to one of us and he's going to say what hurts, and the person is going to say everything hurts. There isn't one part of my body that has shlemus. Every single part of my body, my eyes, my ears, my mouth, everything is lacking. I'm lacking. I need a tikkun for every single part of my body for head to toe. For those people, Moshiach is going to heal us completely. We should be zeichet that our feet and our head and every part of our body should get the refuah and Yeshua that we need. Any questions, please? The tikkun, what does the tikkun horaglin mean on a spiritual level? Well, first of all, on a physical level, it means we speak about this in the tefillah zaka that we say on Erev Yom Kippur, a person using their feet prop to, to go to shul, to go to go to do mitzvahs, <clears throat> and and uh, on, on a spiritual level, the raglan represents the the the, the term regel. Rabbein is used regarding speech. There's a pasuk tzedek tedaberun, you will speak righteousness. And there's a pasuk tzedek yikro'eu laragloi. And, and the, when people speak loshen haro, or people speak things we're not supposed to speak, the term regal is used. Lo'irogal al-leshoinoi. There's a pasuk in Tehillim. So one of the things this certainly refers to is using our speech properly to speak words of Torah, words of tefillah, to give people encouragement, chizuk, to say a good word whenever you can, and to avoid speaking what we're not supposed to speak. That definitely is an important aspect of Tikkun Horaglin. And again, this issue of, of running to shul, running to do a mitzvah, going, going to, to, for the right purposes, and staying away from the wrong things. These are some of the things that come to mind. There's the, the book, The Safer Anatomy of the Soul, which my brother-in-law, Rabbi Chaim Kramer, produced, where there it goes into a lot of detail regarding each part of the body and how the Sifre Kabbalah relate to each part of the body and how Rabbi Nizal relates to it. Again, there are quite a number of chapters on Likud Imran that deal with each and every part of the body, repairing each part of the body. Also, we know that Tikkun Ezoyah says, that when we speak about a human being being in the image of Hashem, 
Hashem doesn't have any physical forms. So what does that mean? The answer is the name of Hashem, the most basic name of Hashem, Yud Kevavke. The head is like the Yud of Yud Kevavke. The hands have five fingers. That's the first hey of Yud Kevavke. The trunk of the body is the Vav, and the five toes on each foot are the last hey of Hashem's name. So that again, which represents the Malchus. We know the last hey of Hashem's name is Malchus, Emuna, Tfil, all of those things. So again, the feet represent the Malchus, the Emuna, the Tfila. We know that the, the Gemara and the Shulchan speak about a person standing with their feet together during Shmoyn Esrei, all the things that we can possibly do as Tikkun Oraglan. The word regel is also used to mean holidays, the Sholosh Regolim. Rabbein in chapter 30 in Likud Imran speaks about that one of the most important Tikkunim of the Malchus takes place on the holidays. This week on Thursday is going to be Rosh Chodesh Nisan. We already had Shabbos on this Shabbos was Shabbos Mavorchim. And Nisan is called <coughs> Rosh Chodesh Nisan is called Rosh Hashanah Lemalachim, the Rosh Hashanah for kings. And we, we have the, the opening holiday of the set of the three holidays, the holiday of Pesach, the regal of Pesach. All of the preparations for this Yantif. That, that women do and that men do, all the preparations, the cleaning and the purchasing, the food, the clothing, all the different aspects of showing respect to this yontif are all tikkun horaklin. It's called, the yontif is called the regel, a regel. Any other questions? Reb Nassim, what about dancing for bringing the Mashiach over mitzvahs? Extremely important extremely important. There's a Pasuk, Liboy Nosa Esraglov. His heart lifted up, carried his feet. The joy in the heart, the simcha in the heart, extending to such a level, reaching down to the feet, getting a person to dance for Hashem, to dance with joy, expressing our joy with Hashem, our joy that we're alive, our joy that we have a chance to do mitzvahs. Very good. Correct. Thank you. Anyone else? Okay, we can we continue. <clears throat> We're still in the middle of paragraph 101 regarding now Rav Nosanzal says regarding that third day of the Sheva Brachas, actually the third and fourth day, which Rabbeinazal told on a Friday night. Rabbeinazal says that, I'm sorry, Rabbeinazal says that Rabbeinazal's grandson was very sick at the time. And Rabbeinazal was in tremendous, tremendous pain over this because these, it seems that the sickness was, was very, very serious. And especially since his Rabbeinazal's daughter, Adel, struggled <coughs> With, with, with having children, with having children and raising children tremendously. And Rav Nosan Zali has a short feeler, Hashem should watch over her from now on. So Rav Nosan came into the room on Friday night and sat at the table 
and we saw he was deeply, deeply pained. And he didn't stay around for the meal any normal length of time. He ate quickly. We said Birka Samozain, even before any other people came and join, came to join as they would usually on Friday night. After Birka Samozain, after the benching, Rabbeinazal remained seating at the table and he began to speak. And he gave an incredible, incredible discussion, which had incredible Torah in it. And it was all related to the great pain that he was experiencing, how deeply pained he was over this sickness of his grandson. And Rab Musanzal says, I think I remember that he was talking about the heart, a heart that's being persecuted, which is one of the things that appears in that story in Sipuri Maisius, about a heart and a wellspring and how the heart yearns for the well and the well yearns for the heart, a very deep, deep discussion that's part of that story in Sipuri Maisius. And then while Rabbeinazal was talking about this, he said, where are we up to in the story? And Rabbeinazal says, we were, we were shocked. And we responded with, with deep, deep awe that we're up to the third day. So Rabbeinazal began that on the third day, this couple again <coughs> began to say, if only how do we get that Bettler to come to, to, and show up at, to appear at our Sheva Brachas? And sure enough, the Bettler said, I'm here, I'm here. And the whole story of the third day. And Rabbeinazal says, if you start, read that story, you'll see that it's related to what Rabbeinazal was speaking about earlier, about the heart and the pain. And after he finished telling the story of the third day, there was tremendous joy. And Rabbeinazal said that that everybody like jumped up in joy. And then he right away went into the story of the fourth day. And as soon as he finished telling the story of the fourth day, Rabbeinazal got up and left the table quickly. And Rabbeinazal says, because I was so, I was concentrating so heavily to try to remember, to review in my mind those two stories, the story of the third day and the fourth day of the Sheva Brachas, I immediately reviewed it with some of the people that were there so we shouldn't forget any detail of it. But unfortunately, because of that, I forgot the discussion that Rabbeinazal spoke about before he told these two stories. When he was talking, when he started off talking about how he's suffering so much from the, the illness of his grandson. And Rav Nosanzal says, woe is to our losses, to the things that we lose. And at the same time, tremendous praise to Hashem for what we retain, what we were to remember, that we were to remember and write down these stories whereby Rav Nusenzel says, even the little drop that I understand regarding these stories, there's, there's no way to express it in words or no way to put, it, put into writing how awesome, how deep, how great are these stories. Shortly afterwards, on Tuesday, which was close to Pesach, and Rabbi Nusenzel had to leave his house 
because they were plastering it. During those, those times, one of the preparations for Pesach is they would put a new coat of plaster on the walls. So Rabbein entered into the house of the Rav, I believe this means Rebaranzal, the Rav of the city of Breslov, and we stood there in front of Rabbein and Rav Nosanzal says, I don't remember what we were talking about that somehow had a relevance to the next story, to the story of the sixth day. And, as, and because of that, somebody said something that ticked off Rabbein and he went ahead and told the story of the sixth day. And then somebody else told him a story, and Rabbein said, oh, that's related to the seventh day, but that, unfortunately, he did not tell. What Rav says, this was all close to the holiday of Pesach. And it seems to me, Rav says, that in the story of the sixth day is hidden the whole secret of the splitting of the Red Sea. Because in the story of the sixth day, Rabbein tells about 10 walls of water. Just like at the time of the splitting of the Red Sea, we're told that the ocean, the Red Sea, the, the water of the Red Sea rose up as walls through which the, the Jewish people walked and, and it drowned the Egyptians. And Rav Moses Zalayet said, take a look in Likut HaLochis, Yoridea, Hilchas Toiloim, Halacha Dalit, where there Rav Moses goes into explaining that story in Sipuri, the sixth day, of the Sheva Brachas of that story and how it relates to the Jews going out of Egypt and the splitting of the Red Sea. And obviously it's not coincidence that we're learning this right now when our minds are fixed on, on the upcoming Pesach. This Thursday again is Rosh Chodesh and, and many women have started from Purim already. The, the Gemara says the halacha is 30 days before a holiday. We're supposed to be thinking and learning about the holiday, learning the laws of the holidays, preparing, and certainly some women have started already the preparations, the hashkocha that we're learning this right now, Baruch Hashem. And now Rav Nosenzal summarizes and says that to summarize our whole discussion here now, that regarding each and every story that Rav told, it always came about as a result of something that someone said. Someone said something, <clears throat> mentioned the story about the news that was going on, and that ticked off something that Rabbi Nizal began he, or continued this deep story that he was telling. And this is the whole concept of Isarusa de Lesato, that the Zohar Kodesh writes, this is one of the most important concepts in Judaism and in life, that in order for something in order for Hashem to do something, or in order for a tzaddik to do something, it requires us taking some initiative, making a move, doing something, saying something. And by us doing that, that creates an opening, a response from Hashem, or response from the tzaddik. Again, the famous quote, Pischuli Pesach Hashem says, Open up an opening for me. Give me an opening like a needle hole. And I will give you an opening like the opening of a gigantic, gigantic hole. In order to be able to draw 
revelations of Hashem in order to be able to draw the deep knowledge that Rabbi Nassau revealed in the story. And Rabbi Nassau says this was the case regarding each one of the stories in Sipurim Isis. And so too, regarding many of the shiurim in Likute Maran, which Rabbi Nassau did not reveal on Rosh Hashanah or on Shabbos Hanukkah, the, 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 the chapters of Likud Imran that were the, the, the shirim that were not given over at an official time, usually it came about as a result of somebody saying something, somebody telling over something, or something going on in the lives of one of Rabbeinazal's students, and then Rabbeinazal said Torah on that thing. We know, for example, there was a student that came to Rabbeinazal whose daughter was suffering from epilepsy. And Rabbeinazal, this was, I believe, on a Shavuos. And that's when Rabbeinazal told chapter 29 in the Kutiman, where he includes a whole paragraph explaining what, what, on a spiritual level, what causes epilepsy. And he mentions the tikkun for it, bringing wine to a Talmud Chacham, to a Tzadik. Another Torah, that same Torah also, Chavtes, where Rabbeinazal speaks about the Tikkun HaKloli for Dibur, that the, the general Tikkun for speech is telling all the stories of Tzadikim. And one of Rabbeinazal's students had come to him, Shavuos, with a tremendous anxiety, because right after Shavuos, he was supposed to have a meeting with some major, major non-Jewish businessmen and they were very upset at him over, about a certain issue. And he was very, very worried about how in the world is he going to be able to speak to them and to convince them not to be angry at him and not to destroy him. And he listened to the Torah that Rabbi Nezal said, where Rabbi Nezal spoke about that, that the main tikkun for speech is telling all the stories of tzaddikim. And as a result of this, after Shavuos, when he was traveling, to the city where he was supposed to meet these Goyim, on the way, he spoke to the wagon driver and was telling him stories about Rabbeinazal, story after story. And sure enough, when he got there and he met these non-Jews, they were very receptive. They, they accepted what he said, and there was no anger. Everything calmed down. Everything went well, Baruch Hashem. So Rav Nosenzal finishes by saying, and through all of this, we constantly saw we were able to see the greatness of Hashem and the greatness of the tzaddik, that every word, every word going on in the world is Torah by them and, and leads them, they, they're able to see the Torah in everything that people are speaking about. And when people tell a tzaddik something, the tzaddik right away uses it as a lead into revealing new revelations in Torah. But Rav Nosenzal says where we saw this the most was regarding this last, this 13th story in Sipurim Isis, the story of the seven betlers, which is the most incredible, incredible revelation of Rabbeinazal. As, as anyone can understand a little bit, if they'll study that story carefully, honestly, to, to try to understand the incredible, awesome greatness of each one of those betlers that's, that's mentioned in the story. And each one of the days of the Sheva Brachas, the incredible, incredible stories that are revealed there. Especially, especially the greatness of the actual betlers themselves, who during each one of the seven days, we see a group of people 
who are priding themselves about how they good how good they are in a particular area, and in each each one of the days, the betler is able to show them that I have everything you have, and I have much much more than that. The blind betler who was able to say, "I I appear blind because I'm not looking at anything." in this world, in the physical, in the materialistic world. I'm looking only at the, the higher, the spiritual world. And that's why he appears as being blind from this world. And so to the, the betler who was deaf, who said, I don't hear any of the sounds of this world, any of the nonsense, the foolishness. I, I'm, I'm only tuned in, my ears are only tuned in to hearing Hashem, to hearing the, the tzaddikim, the Torah, to hear what's important. It's interesting, nothing is coincidence. <clears throat> I'm in New York now, and I'm hoping to be zeichet, to return to Eretz Yisrael, to leave New York on Monday night. And I was staying with my father for the past seven weeks because my mother was ill at first. She went into the hospital for three weeks. She passed away. There was the shiva, and afterwards, and my father, who's my mother, passed away at the age of ninety-eight, and my father is older than her, and he's been using a hearing aid the past couple of years, recent years, and yesterday on Shabbos he was experiencing somewhat of a difficulty with it, and he said, "I Shabbos can after Shabbos something will be corrected," and and sure enough, it was, <clears throat> but he he said in passing. You know, on Shabbos, when, when it was giving him trouble, he said, no, I, I hear what I'm supposed to hear, and I don't hear what I'm not supposed to hear. I don't I hear what I need to hear, and I don't hear what I don't need to hear. And all of us have to pray for this, have to plead with Hashem. We should be to see what we're supposed to see, and we shouldn't see and shouldn't look at what we're not supposed to. We should be to hear what we're supposed to hear and not hear what we're not supposed to hear. And so too regarding each and every single detail in that story, <clears throat> Rav Nosanzal says, even in our limited understanding, even though we don't understand at all the, the real depth of the story, still we saw that each time it, it required an initiative, an initiative, someone had to say something, someone mentioned a story about the news that was going on at the time, and that ticked off, that led into Rabbi Nezal being able to, to tell the, the story that he was in the middle of. In, <clears throat> that how Hashem had pity on us, and Rabbi Nezal had pity on us, and revealed to us all of this incredible stuff, which should be a benefit to us and our children, our descendants, forever. Rabbi Nezal adds one more note here. Regarding Sipure Maisius, that it would be better that if I didn't reveal any hints at all about what these stories are really about, what these what the depth of these stories really is, because when something is hidden, it can accomplish much better, much stronger what it needs to accomplish. However, Abenazar said that sometimes. I have to reveal some hints so that people should realize that there are very deep messages and, and deep Torah hidden in these stories. 
With this, we conclude paragraph 101. The next paragraph already is going into something different. I'd like to hold it here for now. Any questions, please, before we close? Reb in the Supreme Mysore, do you have the ancient, the ancient stories you speak of? Uh, is that being transmitted, the ancient stories? Definitely. The 13 stories that appear in Sipurim Isis are an example of the Sipurim Isis Mishonim Kadmoniyos, the ancient stories which Rabbi Nezal speaks about in chapter 60 in Likutim Aran, which was actually an introduction. That, that shear was given on Rosh Hashanah, and that was like the intro into when Rabbi Nezal started telling these 13 stories. And Rabbi Nezal there, <coughs> In that chapter, Nikutaman speaks about different levels of stories, the, the recent stories and the ancient stories, and how these help us in coming close to Hashem. And again, it's not coincidence that the our group that gets together on Thursday nights learning Likudaman, we, we just completed this chapter not, not that long ago. Chapters, I'm sorry, the Likuti Alochis that we're learning in Hilchas Nedorim, Halacha Dalid focused on, on this topic of Sipuri might the part we're up to happen to be about Sipuri might the importance, the significance of these ancient stories. Thank you. Anyone else? Wishing everybody a wonderful week. This is a very, very powerful week. We have Erevash number one. We're completing the month of Adar, which the, the, the Torah says, Marbin Besimcha that this month has to have a lot of simcha. Hashem should, should Hashem fulfills the Torah. Hashem should give each and every one of us and all of Klal Yisrael the, the marbe, the, the riboy simcha that we need in our lives. And this leads into Wednesday, which is Erev Rishchidosh Nisan, which it, there'll be Yom Kippur Katan, which will be said in hundreds of, of shuls and, and Kivrei Tzadikim in Miron, in Uman, I know people that are leaving for Uman tomorrow night and, and some leaving tonight to be there for for Erev Rosh Nisan and Rosh Chodesh Nisan because Rosh Chodesh Nisan is a Rosh Hashanah and it's Rabbi Nizal's birthday and it's the day that the Mishkan was put up. It's got incredible, incredible significance. We should be, and, and then we have Thursday, which is Rosh Chodesh and leading into the next Shabbos. That this week should be a week of of Simcha and Refua and Yeshua and Hatzlacha for all of us and all of Klal Yisrael. And my Rebbe Rav Rosenfeld used to stress to us during this season to daven for Mashiach because the Gemara says that the Jews came out of Egypt, the Geulah's Mitzrayim was in Nisan and the Geulah that we're waiting for is going to be in Nisan. Each one of us should be zeichah to do our part to be Makarev the Geulah and not to block the Geulah, to to stop doing anything we're doing to, to block the gula and to do anything we possibly can to be Makara of the gula and to see together the coming of Moshiach, the building of the base of Mikdash, from here of Yamenu, Amen, Yamenu.